0: Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll and home of the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling. Hey, listen, uh, when I was little, my mom sent me uh, alphabet soup claiming I liked it. Uh, turns out she was just putting words in my mouth. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ah, it was a good one. It was cute. As the kids say, uh, thanks to Duff for bringing the funny every single Friday. Duff and Guns N' Roses are down under as well. They're playing Perth tonight. Well, guess what? I'm headed to Australia as well. Fozzy's going to be there at the end of the month. November 30th, we start. We're doing our legendary VIP meet and greets as well. Uh, there's only there's only tickets left in Adelaide for that, though. Brisbane VIP, uh, Sydney VIP, Melbourne uh, VIP are all sold out adelaide there's still a couple vip tickets for you but there's tickets for all the shows available at fozzyrock.com come check us out it's going to be a great tour after we just finished our biggest uk tour ever we sold thousands and thousands of tickets and had 10 great shows thanks to all of you who uh came to the gigs and thanks to all of you who are going to come see us in australia while we were there And don't forget about Chris Jericho's Rockin' Wrestling Rager at Sea, the four-leaf clover. We set sail February 2nd. The lineup on this ship is stacked, and we are adding new guests every week. But let's talk about this lineup for this year. All right, who we got from AEW coming? I'll tell you what. How about the Jericho Appreciation Society? Daniel Garcia, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, Daddy Magic Matt Menard, Cool Hand Angelo Parker, Ty Mello, Anna J. We also got Dante Martin, Swerve Strickland, Jade Cargill, Eddie Kingston, Ward Lowe, the Acclaimed, Nyla Rose, Vicky Guerrero. So many more to be announced. Do not miss out on the vacation of a lifetime because we also got comedy, music, live podcasts, paranormal shows, uh, so much stuff going on. Don't forget about the first Jericho Cruise Oceanic Champion. The tournament for that will take place on the Four Leaf Clover. We're also going to our own private island for the first time ever in Great Stirrup K book your cabin now at chris com. All right today Lee Moriarty from AW makes his talk as Jericho debut. Lee was a uh, part of MJS faction the firm until uh, they beat him down. He also talks about how that all came together, what it was like to be part of the group. He doesn't even know whose faction it was when they first signed on to be part of it. It's a great story. Lee also talks about his time in the Indies, teaming up with Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia, who are both also now at AEW. He explains Taiga style, what that means to him, and how it's evolved over the last year. He talks about his degree in graphic design. He's a very smart guy as well. His love of streetwear and how he used all of that to further his wrestling career. He talks about his goals as a wrestler and beyond. Great conversation with a very interesting and intelligent Lee Moriarty, right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. So one of the cool things about being in AEW is we have a lot of young talent, and this is something that, like, I think I'm here with Lee Moriarty, and I think we've been nice and cordial, but I don't think we've yeah. said more than four or five words or <laughs> sentences to each other. And I literally mm. like know nothing about you, and I say that in the best possible way. Like, I'm super excited to get to know you, right? Right, because I remember hearing your name, um, I like guess a, like a year ago in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, that was my uh, first match,
0: first match with AW, mm. and then here you are now, of course, part of the firm. Mm. And one of your uh co members of the firm is a big fan of yours. MJF was talking about. Lee Moriarty, and he's, you know, he's got a lot of talent and he's got mm. a lot of personality. I was like, well, let me let me see. Let's have him on talk as Jericho, and see what's going on, man. Let me just start off by this, probably the biggest match of your career tonight, on yeah. Dynamite versus John Moxley.
1: And that was a dream match for me. There's like a list of people in AEW I've wanted to work with. You're also one of them, but people I feel like I can grow with, competing against, and him being a three time world champion, the only three time world champion in the company. And for what AEW stands for in professional wrestling, that's my dream match. That was my goal, and I got there, and I'm very proud of what I was able to do.
0: So that was kind of on your list when you came here prior? Yeah. How did you find out that it was coming about?
1: Uh, last Friday. So we attacked Moxley on Wednesday. I had no idea that it was going to lead to a match the following week, but Friday we did that promo that set everything up after his match with Matt Menard in your group, and then I got a week's time to prepare.
0: So did it go the way that that you would hope? And obviously, you didn't get the victory, but that doesn't really matter at this stage of the game.
1: I think, although I didn't get the victory, I showed that I can compete at that level. Especially, I haven't been on Dynamite in some time. The competition is so high, I need to step up. And I feel like, in my time away, I have been working hard, getting in better shape, studying more. So I think I did my job, and I did well.
0: Although I didn't get the win, but I think...
1: I'm getting closer to having that big breakout win.
0: Well, you did get a win just by yeah. being on Dynamite with Mox, right? right. Um, before we continue, so you uh, during your time away, were you hurt or were you off for a bit? Or, uh, No, it
1: was just taking time off because we didn't know the direction I was going to go in at the time. Mm. And then when I took the card from Stokely, the idea was to disappear for a while so no one knew what was coming. So when we returned that all out, you know, no one expected it, and no one could prepare for it when we climbed up that ladder and got the poker chip for MJF mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk about that for a bit because you know and we'll go through kind of your history But when you mentioned yeah. the the formation of the firm which was that mm-hmm. all out right and that's when the devil came and, and, and <laughs> this kind of this uh, Debut of this new faction of course I'm no stranger to factions and I'm no stranger to surprise debuts of factions I think that's so max started the pinnacle kind of something similar, right? So, you know, I, I know for me, like when I have, okay, here's Matt Menard or Jeff Parker or Danny Garcia or Sammy Guevara, it's like we're going to be doing this together and, you know, mm-hmm. guys are kind of excited or maybe a little bit tentative. Or, so how did you kind of find out that this was going to be happening? It was
1: a very well-kept secret. I didn't know it was MJF until that night.
0: Really? Yeah. Well, tell us. Tell us about that. How do you mean? So the way it started was...
1: I had a, I was with Matt Seidel and Dante Martin, kind of a group. Right. Tony Khan pulled me inside in the locker room. He asked me a question. He said, would you be comfortable dyeing your hair? Didn't explain why or anything like that. He just said it will become with a big push and things like that, more opportunities. So I was like, yeah, I'm cool with it. My trainers taught me, like, take something that they give it to you and just make the most of it. It was like, it's hair. <laughs> it'll grow back in the future. But uh, that happened. They didn't really tell me exactly what. They just said it was going to be a group. Uh, Stokely told me it's going to be a big thing. And I trusted everyone who's, you know, told me about it. I trusted Tony. I trusted QT. I trusted Stokely. Uh, after I took that business card, when I defeated Max back in July, disappeared for a month, came back and then, you know, did the poker chip. I didn't know it was MJF till afterwards. So after he got the poker chip, walked off, we went back to his trailer and we found out. But it was a really so, well secret. So this secret. is pretty,
0: this is pretty cool because I always love it when you know these super secret kind of uh, uh, midnight candlestein <laughs> things happen. So did you know who else was in the group?
1: I didn't know until I was watching at home. The only person I knew was Ethan Page because I heard them talking about the uh, promo that they had when Stokely was going to offer the card. But before that, I didn't know the guns were going to be in it. I didn't know Morrissey was going to be in it. But whenever I saw Morrissey. That's when I kinda leaned towards I think it's MGF, but I never had concrete evidence. Why is that? Just because I felt like it could go different directions. It could be this and be this, especially because when you look at everyone in our group on paper, it doesn't look like it fits together. Mm. But it works because we're just like the suicide squad. We're a band of misfits. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. I thought that about the inner circle when we first formed. It was like I remember the first the first photo shoot we did. Like, everyone looks different, but there's this kind of a theme. Like, almost like the yeah. early Guns N' Roses, where there's a punk guy, there's a metal guy, there's a long hair, there's a... You know, and that's kind of, in a circle, like it just looks good, right? Yeah. And that's kind of with the firm, where you have these different people coming, but when you see a group shot or something, it's like, okay, this kind of looks kind of cool. Like you said, Suicide squad Right,
1: it's it's uh, starting five in a basketball team. Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. has their own special thing that they do, even Page is the well-rounded, the movie star, good looks, all this stuff. Morrissey's the big giant enforcer, the guns, the tag team specialist, who are also very charismatic mm-hmm. and a lot of personality. Me, the technical wrestler. And I think I have personality. I have this energy. It's just figuring out how to show it. And yeah. I'm getting more into that with the hair and stuff and trying to you know, wear brighter colors. I wore a green jersey last week when everyone else was wearing black. It helped me stand out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's like I said for MJF to kind of – unpromoted to start talking about you that way yeah. i thought well that's interesting you know i mean there must be something there that he's that he sees so i really like this story though so you find out that you're in this thing with stokely yeah. you're not sure when it's going to be but if you choose right. to accept it go away so did you know you're away for a month or are you just kind of on call like a surgeon waiting for the phone to ring
1: so before my match with Seidel, which was my last one stokely told me he said, hey, you might be gone for a couple of weeks, but don't take it personal like you did anything wrong. I didn't know how long it was going to be. I didn't know we were coming back at All Out or anything until maybe the week of that Sunday got the text, hey, bring a black mask, the gloves, the black pants, and have your hair dyed and be ready. So I had no inkling, but I trusted people. Like I knew people have my best interests. So I was cool with it. It was just one of those things like waiting at home. Can't do independence either because I had to be gone, disappeared offline everything. I couldn't tweet anything at all. So it was nice to have that break, but also me as a competitor, as a wrestler and an athlete, I want to stay consistent.
0: These might be my two new favorite words, Mint Mobile. And if you're wondering why, I got a lot of reasons. First, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month with no catch. Yeah, you heard that right, no catch. No fine print ripoffs. Plans start at 15 bucks a month. Period. All Mint Mobile plans come with an unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Do you need more reasons than that? You do? Okay, how about these? You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan, and you can keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. That's right. And that all still starts at just 15 bucks a month. And how about this? At Mint, families start at two lines. Now, do you understand why Mint Mobile are my two new favorite words, right? So get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash Jericho. That's mintmobile.com slash Jericho. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Jericho. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every
1: game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Terms and conditions apply. So tell us about the day. So, so now you know, okay, you got to get it all out, bring your black mask and all these other things. Right. And what kind of happens during the course of the day?
1: I get in, I meet Morrissey for the first time. He's hard to miss in the middle of the ring. I talk to him. And I just tell him things like, hey, do you know who this guy in the group is? And he's like, yeah, but I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, because pretty much everyone's sworn in secrecy about it. See, the guns, we're all meeting in the uh, the corner of the ring. MGF doesn't tell us, but he kind of gives the pointers to Stokely to tell us what is going on. Is he there? I think he's there, so...
0: Okay, but you're not you're not talking to him, Stokely speaking no. on behalf of the mystery yeah, man. Yeah,
1: Stokely is the communication between MGF and us and, and everyone G. else, and also Pat Buck, one of the agents.
0: But they're not saying who it is, they're saying no. Mr. X or whatever no, it is. No, yeah.
1: I think they just wanted to keep it a genuine surprise, sure. they didn't want anything to leak or anything like that, which I completely understand, and I'm glad it worked out that way, but yeah. it's great. W- mm-hmm. Especially we, uh, in this
0: States, everyone wants to know the answers right away, right?
1: Yeah, and I don't think anything came up online like there might have been some people hinting or guessing at it because i think someone realized it had been about 90 days since he walked out so they assumed like oh if he got suspended 90 days would make sense yeah but there's no one was like this is him this is confirmed it was all speculation Mm -hmm. but oh we did that we talked about it kind of had our own little corner just to plan things And then the moment came, the first match on Dynamite, the opener, the ladder match. Everyone's going crazy hard. Claudio, the Lucha Bros, Yuta, um, Dante. People were working in that match. And then even them, as far as I know, they didn't know too much. They didn't know it was MJF. They just knew, hey, someone's coming down and getting that poker chip. But they were kind of surprised too. And uh, I remember Alex Aberhontes is out there, and I remember hitting him, and he's just like, what is going on? Because I think – he may have been smart up, but not exactly. So he didn't know how. So many Even the guys in
0: the match didn't know what the finish was, really.
1: Not completely, no, and they super, definitely didn't it's know.
0: Such a Max thing that Super like <laughs> always wants to fool everybody. Yeah. <laughs> we had a couple of those in the year that we worked. I was like, why don't you pretend like just fool everything? It really broke your arm. I was like, dude, I can't do that. He was like, I'm do it. <laughs> so I, I like the idea of that. The guys in the match didn't even know. So then, because you know, it's funny because once again, I didn't really know for sure. Right. But I saw Max with the devil mask mm. and the way he was sitting. And it's like, I know him. And it's like, I didn't go up to him or say anything because he was sitting at gorilla position. This yeah, is yeah. behind the scenes stuff. But he the mask looked so cool. It was like mm. really like black phone type of a thing. But just the way he was sitting there and it was just like, okay, that's, there he is, right? <laughs> so when he comes down, you still don't know. Here's Then you must have thought, okay, did was there any other candidates that you thought it might be?
1: Hmm. Not necessarily. So I, I thought before members of the group, I thought maybe Scorpio Scott and Ethan Page were involved oh, okay. because of that. But in terms of leaders, I was like, this is either going to be someone new who hasn't been yeah. a part of AEW yet, or maybe MJF, but I wasn't certain well,
0: it pretty much has to be one of those two options.
1: Yeah. And uh, like you were saying, you saw him sitting, you kind of figured mm. out. When he walked into the ring there were just certain ways like his body language moves i was like okay i definitely think I know and i this think
0: is. he was even trying not to do that but when you try not to do that you look even more i remember once i had to dress like santa claus for christmas raw right and the idea was that big show and i were never allowed to tag team again but santa was going to sit on big show's lap and ask him what he wanted for christmas and big show would say i would like to tag with chris jericho again and santa grants him the wish so in WB world, that means we can tag together again. Yeah. But I remember Vince was like, "You can't let anyone know that you're Santa Claus. Like, you got to change that walk of yours, <laughs> that effeminate walk." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "How do I change my walk? So I'm trying to do like some kind of weird limp or something like that." And it's like by doing a weird limp, I look even more like me trying to walk. Yeah. And Max, <laughs> I, I saw a little bit of Max maybe trying to change his walk, but hard to to do that.
1: Yeah a lot of that stuff is just ingrained in who you are yeah. and it's natural I remember on the Independence, I competed on a show called The Masked Wrestler which is the parody of The Masked Singer oh nice and I had to not wrestle as myself so my thing was I was going to try to wrestle as Wheeler Yuta and we ended up being in the finals competing against each other but it's such a hard thing because I remember fans were like oh that's Lee I was not doing anything I do but just the way
0: I move just the way I move so, so w- 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 were you wearing weird costumes like The Masked Singer
1: yeah so the first season was very generic like all is it a black. show? Yeah, it's actual on,
0: show called The Masked Wrestler.
1: Yeah, on uh, IWTV they have two seasons. The first no season kidding. was just generic luchador mask. Yeah, and is that then, like
0: a local channel or?
1: It's on their uh, streaming service like IWTV Independent Wrestling TV. Okay, like, gotcha. It was their own like unique content. Gotcha.
0: So, yeah. so, so the first season was just kind of black luchador
1: outfits. Yeah, the second season is when they got like the characters like the scarecrow and all that stuff. they really went in because <laughs> the first season was pretty successful.
0: That's great. What is the one company? In, it's not Chikara. Was it Chikara? Had the weird costumes. There's one company in Japan that had the really weird Michinoku Pro. pro maybe Michinoku. yeah. There's yeah. another. There was an offshoot of Michinoku, but yeah, definitely like the gray oh, okay, yeah, yeah. and the weird type of things. So, what was your character?
1: So my character, it was called Genkai. It was a reference to like an anime. It was just a random name because everybody that came up. I remember there was one character whose name was Barf, which is all of these completely plain names. but also. <laughs> They put me in like pink, which is my signature color, pink and yellow. So I think that was also kind of a giveaway. Yeah. (laughs) I tried my best.
0: So, um, when did you? So you're out there, the devil comes and grabs the chip. Mm -hmm. Um, When do you finally realize who it is? Afterwards, is there a meeting or is it just kind of like, were you ever actually officially told? Do you even know for sure who the devil is now?
1: (laughs) We found out 100% afterwards like after everything he just told us like hey sorry you know i couldn't tell anybody but he wanted to keep it a secret and we understood no hard feelings or anything like that but we, yeah shortly after the match we found out and i was like okay
0: how did you feel with that
1: it was relief because it was like all right now i know what we're doing we know the direction we're going and things like that we kind of know who's all a part of this because like not knowing who's all a part of this was a little bit not anxiety but definitely like that nerve-wracking feeling like what's
0: going on what's happening because I didn't know anything sure. it's a little squid games kind of thing, <laughs> you know, right yeah exactly like, what is happening here but now like you mentioned you know you've, you've been here for a short period of time and you're in this faction with one of our biggest stars mm. must have made you feel kind of good
1: oh yeah absolutely the fact that he trusted me to pick me to be in this group the fact that Tony and everyone else trust me to be in that position means a lot even now you know, we kind of kicked them to the curb, but we're doing our own things and we're making an impact. And that's important, especially because, yeah. yeah.
0: I told Stokely tonight by beating up MGF, you're now way bigger than you were when you were his faction. Right. That's how it works. That's wrestling, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Why did Tony want you to dye your hair? So I think it was Max's idea,
1: but when Tony asked me, he couldn't say the name. So he basically referenced Rodman. And the idea was Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman was the enforcer of the group, this intense guy. I remember watching, what was it, the uh, Michael Jordan documentaries. Right, right, right. And Rodman was saying, like, anytime they go to the bucket, you put them on the ground. And that's the thing. My job is to put people on the ground Hmm. when I was with the firm, because or when I was with MJF, because we were um, on retainer. So this was not a faction. Gotcha. This was MJF. He hired us to do what we did. We were mercenaries. We put people on the ground. And also, I think it was, if you've ever watched one of the Rodman documentaries, they talk about how Rodman starts coming more out of his shell when he starts to dye his hair. Mm. Because that's when he gets to express more of his personality and right. things like that. He, then he starts to paint his nails. He wears yeah. his, like, crazy outfits and all that. So I think that was their thing. Like, hey, maybe this will help bring
0: a little more energy out of him. So just a matter of time before we see Lee Moriarty in a dress and heels. And-
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely going to be something. I'm going to make it my own, but... No, you're but gonna, like it yeah. makes
0: you stand out, right? And that's right. what we talked about. I think last week, if you're going to have green hair, you should be green. And maybe right. next week it's pink, and next week like it's the best story. Norman Smiley, one of my early, earliest best friends in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, and if you if if ever met Magic, but you know who he is, Norman Smiley. Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely know. So so he lost a hair match, mm-hmm. and obviously African American, very short hair. He, him without hair, is pretty much similar to him with hair. It's not that much different. He was so embarrassed to wore a hat all the time. He's like, I can't show my hair. I'm like, dude, you barely had any hair to begin with. What difference does it make? It, it'll grow back in two weeks. So it's kind of the same with you. If you want to dye it 16 different colors yeah. every week, it's okay, right? That yeah. gives you more of an identity. Right.
1: And like, I have ideas to make it my own. It's just figuring out how to do it. Like, I have the thought, I haven't done it yet, but putting words referencing my opponent or the storyline I'm going on to in my head. Just different stuff because I'm inspired by so many things outside of pro wrestling. I want to bring those into wrestling. And in time, people are going to see me turn up more and see my personality, who Lee Moriarty really is, not just as a wrestler but as an artist because that's who I am outside the ring.
0: And one last thing before I want to hear what you do outside of the ring because that's interesting as well. But you're right because, and I think we talked about this, anything you can do mm. to stand out in, in wrestling and if you feel it, it's going to work. And that who knows what that is. It could be, you know, like I, I, I told the story before with the, with the Jericho Appreciation Society when we first started. I said, who's your favorite musical artist? So-and-so. With this guy, that guy, whatever. If you were going to a party that was hosted by mm. You know Kendrick Lamar and it's an exclusive party and you can wear anything you want and all the chicks are there and all the dudes are there and but I don't care what it is you want to wear a burlap sack what would you wear mm. to the most exclusive hottest party in town held by your favorite and the H guy had a thing you can see Danny had the Kangol and Jeff or uh, uh, Angela were the s- suspenders and daddy magic you know it was something yeah. And for me, when you started having the hair, it's like, okay, now, oh, that's the guy with the green hair. What's his mm-hmm. name? Oh, it's Lee Moriarty. Oh, you know, that connects you with the crowd.
1: Right. It's very easy to tell who I am when you see the hair. And I was talking to Garcia before, and he was telling me you said that very thing. Mm. And uh, also Ricky Starks, I was recently talking to him, he says like fans will send him pictures of like an outfit because... Ricky Starks has an established look. Right. Like, you see Ricky Starks, you see this, and you see this Someone, someone else, you're like, oh, this would look going on Ricky because that's his style. Yeah. So I've been trying to get into more of that and figuring out who my identity is. Not in wrestling gear.
0: No, and like, like for every Halloween, and I'll go through Twitter and Instagram and pick, you know, 20 pictures of people dressed as Chris Jericho, <laughs> and there's always different eras, which I love. Like, that was always, for me, was David Bowie. Like, yeah. I'm a big Bowie fan where every... Every album was something different. Every album had a different character, and that goes all the way until right before he died, when he was like seventy-three, he still was creating new characters. And uh, you should be able to walk into a Halloween party with ten people all dressed as Bowie or Jericho or I don't know Madonna or someone who changes themselves, and go, "Oh, that's you know, that's Y2J Jericho, that's Champ- mm-hmm. Le Champion, that's the demo." And it, that, I think that's a smart thing to start to think about for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the goal. I think when I came in, what Tiger style was, was something completely different than what it's evolving into right now. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
0: First of all, what's Tiger Style? What does that mean to you?
1: Tiger Style is, originally it was referencing from Bruce Lee's Jeet Kundo. Bruce Lee removed patterns from martial arts yeah. because everything works different for everybody. In right. professional wrestling, I don't want to say I'm a hybrid because that word gets used so often. So, my own thing is adapting all the sounds. Like, I went to Mexico to go train to get better at that. I went to an Ultimo Dragon seminar to learn his style. I did all oh, these nice. things so that I can get better. But also, it's when you hear the word tentacle wrestler, you usually think of like a certain aesthetic or a certain visual of who this wrestler is and right. how they carry themselves. And I want to be louder than that. I want to be more personality, more energy, more charismatic than what someone who does not watch a lot of wrestling, but they hear technical wrestler enough, they associate it with this. I'm in a whole nother lane, but I still do what they do in that ring. Hmm.
0: Yeah. It's interesting and it's very important, like you said. Like uh, when you hear the term technical wrestler, mm. sometimes I'm thinking, like, you know, some of that comes out of Stu Hart's Dungeon. They know uh, uh, Dean Malenko, man of right. the thousand, and, and Dean was way, way more than that, but somebody who just knows, like, hold, hold, yeah. hold, hold. Technical wrestler in 2022 is. Different from that. Yeah. Because, like, you know, Danny Garcia is a technical wrestler, but he's really not. He's just a hard-hitting pro wrestler who doesn't do a lot of flying moves. In this day and age, everyone does flying moves. Right. So I think someone who hits harder and doesn't do a moonsault might be more branded a technical wrestler. Am I right about this?
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. For what people think of technical wrestling nowadays, seems to be the well-rounded guy who can do a little bit of everything. Right. So you see Wheeler Yuta... He can do all the uh the, the lucha Libre and things like that. But he wrestled MGF. He dove halfway across the ring yeah, on a dive. Yeah, a wicked splash. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed, yep. Wrestlers have gotten more athletic, so the term technical wrestler has evolved with that. So it's not just holds.
0: I didn't want to leave Tiger Style alone and the Bruce Lee influence. I'm a big Bruce Lee fan too, even to hmm. this day. I always take the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. That is a Bruce Lee quote, always take the stairs. So what does Tiger Style mean to you now? You said it changed from when you started to what it is now.
1: Yeah, so what it originally was was just that, the Bruce Lee philosophy. But I knew getting the TV, it was not to be more than that because it has to be broader. It's not dumbing it down. It's creating something that everybody can understand. If there's a movie and things are too intricate to apply, like all the dialogue, it's hard to follow. But if you can make it easy enough for everyone to understand, then they will enjoy it more. So what Tiger Style is is just this loud personality who's also a technical wrestler yeah
0: and where does that uh how does that relate to what you do outside of the ring
1: outside of the ring i am a graphic designer so uh if you watch my entrance before the firm that tiger that shows up on the screen i design that that's my logo um i have a little check mark it's a flame mark it's my icon logo like i have all these knowledge knowledgeable things about business and branding From being a graphic designer, my first t-shirt in AEW, I designed my wrestling gear. I designed my mask. I designed my new uh, boxing robe I'm going to be coming out with soon. I designed. I want to leave my imprint on so many things in professional wrestling and outside of wrestling, too. I have did illustrations for a wrestling book. I don't think it's come out yet, but that is something I've done. There's an artist, Open Mike Eagle. He had a music video premiere on Adult Swim. I did a graphic that showed up on that. There's like a lot of stuff I've done as a graphic designer, I'm very proud of that. And something I want to get involved in in professional wrestling once I'm done with the in-ring stuff is the visual presentation of something. Mm. Because I think wrestling, for the most part, was always like it looked this certain well or felt this certain way because this is what worked. So I want to figure out how to change things to look a little bit differently to appeal to more people like myself. How old are you? I am 28.
0: That's really cool, man. It's funny because, and this is what I love about pro wrestling that a lot of people don't understand, some do, most do, mm. but I always say being in pro wrestling is show business boot camp. Mm-hmm. You learn a little bit of everything. Now some guys go into acting, and some guys go into music or rapping or politics or book writing. This is the first time I've ever met a wrestler who's also a graphic. There might be a few others to be honest with you, but mm. the the examples you just gave, pro wrestling is such an art. Yeah, anytime you like. Take, okay, it's Jericho versus Lee Moriarty. Uh, you got 10 minutes and you're on in two hours or an hour, whatever it may be. We now have an open canvas like an artist would, and we right. have to paint our picture. How do we do that? I don't know. What do you got? What do you got? Blah, blah, blah. It's a true collaboration of art. When you create something out of nothing, that's art. So to hear your graphic design comparing and, and, and combining it with wrestling, it's a no brainer for me.
1: Yeah, it's very easy. It's why I chose professional wrestling. I thought about doing MMA when I was younger. And the reason I chose wrestling is because I had more freedom to express myself in the ring and just visually. It's so much freedom, and I enjoy it like nothing else. Plus, I love being physical. Like I'm an athlete, yeah, so yeah. it's just the perfect blend of both worlds.
0: How do you do your graphic art? Is it via computer? How do, you, how do you create? So usually,
1: it's on computer. Most of the times, I'll draw something by hand first, scan it in or take your photo, then edit on the computer. I've also recently got a tablet so I can draw on that. I've done photography. I've done um video editing. So I've like learned after effects to like learn how to animate my logo or just like mm. do little things that I can put in my promos when I was on the independence. Um I've painted, I've had drawings in like congressional art shows back when I was in high school. I've designed t-shirts. So something I've worked on is making pro wrestling shirts not look like pro wrestling shirts. Because sometimes people are embarrassed to wear them out. Because what a pro wrestling shirt is? It's a billboard. Mm-hmm. It's advertising your person. So when you're on TV, you see that shirt in a crowd. But my idea was wear this something. Create something that can be worn every day. Because I've done that, and I've had people tell me, "Oh, that's a nice shirt," and then they found out it's a wrestling shirt. And that's my goal is to appeal to people that aren't just in that wrestling. Are wrestling fans, yeah. Exactly, because we're trying to grow pro wrestling. So you need to appeal to things outside of wrestling.
0: Something too uh, with the, all the t-shirts I've had over the years, the, the the ones that that sell the best are just a word or a saying. I mean, we can mm-hmm. go back to Austin Three Sixteen. I mean, it's probably the most successful wrestling show, or NWO, yeah. for example. But for now, the ones for me that really sell well are like like the roots of fight style, Chris Jericho established.
1: Yeah, it's 90. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. uh, one that I just put out was uh, Jericho the Ocho. It was kind of an ESPN the Ocho thing. Mm. People like like those types, like you said, aren't like, here's Jericho. Any shirts with your face on them mm-hmm. never do good. <laughs> right? Like, that's yeah. what I've actually was, I would talk to, especially in WWE when the merch department was very involved. Not yeah. that we aren't AW, but this is, you know, a 40 year company that's got. Cups and straws and condoms and candy corn or whatever. And it's like any time your face is on it, it doesn't sell. And at 1st like, what do you mean, man? But it's like, hey, I bet you the Stones sell way more logo lips. You know, everyone knows the Stones logo than a picture of Mick Jagger. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. But as an artist and a designer, for you to figure that out, like you said, if it's designing your own shirts that don't look like wrestling shirts, that's a smart move.
1: Yeah, that's just like you're saying the logos. Logos are more universal than an individual's face because someone can see this Mm. cool logo and then it's all like, like, I will wear that. But if someone sees like a person's face, like my face or your face, and they don't watch wrestling at all, why would they wear it? Who is this guy? Yeah. So it's just one of those things being more universal and understood by all audiences and not just a wrestling audience.
0: How did you get interested in that?
1: I just liked art and I like creating merch. So I like streetwear designing a lot um brands like the hundreds uh chinatown market which is now just market but i remember during the pandemic i actually got my certificate in uh streetwear marketing design it was a collaboration between complex and uh yellow brick but i spent a few months i did those courses learning about streetwear and all that stuff so that i could put out my own things on independence because yes, as you know in the independence there's so many wrestlers there's so many people selling t-shirts selling whatever hats, hoodies, all this stuff. So was, how am I going to make mine different? How can I make money? Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I treated all my stuff like a streetwear brand, not like a pro wrestling brand. So I would do drops. I would announce a date. I would promote it with like a graphic and things like that. And then I would sell this shirt and there would only be 60 or something and you could never get it again because I wanted to feel exclusive. And I did very well. I remember I, uh, I made an ice cream logo shirt. and It was like a Neapolitan tiger. And it was a ringer tee, which is very rare for pro wrestlers because it's just generic shirts. And I sold out maybe in a couple hours of, like, 70 shirts or something. Wow. To the point where I ended up re-releasing it strictly just to use that money to, like, go for a charity. Sure. But stuff like that, like, that's my goal is to be beyond professional wrestling and think differently so that I can make myself successful. Versify,
0: right? Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh... Races, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. How did you get interested and involved in pro wrestling?
1: uh so the first time i ever saw wrestling it was my grandfather was watching it it was you're from pittsburgh right yeah i'm yeah. from pittsburgh famous wrestling town yeah, yeah kurt angle bruno all that shane douglas yeah those yep. are
0: your top three well, i'm sure there's more but yeah. yeah i think uh dominic dominucci or yeah, yeah. i'm getting that wrong but yeah yeah i
1: met him in pittsburgh recently. dominic
0: dominucci yeah
1: he has big hands huge firm right? grip <laughs> it's crazy but
0: bruno bruno and kurt are the two yeah. Pittsburgh stalwarts, yeah, for yeah, sure. they're the faces.
1: But uh, my grandfather was watching it. It was Rikishi and the Boogeyman. No, Rikishi and uh, Booker T. So Rikishi does a stink face, and it's probably like an infamous scene. Booker <laughs> T gets out the ring, pukes on Michael Cole, and I was like, ah, I don't want to watch this. So like, I went away from it a little bit. <laughs> One night I was 12 years old, it was channel surfing, and I found the Boogeyman. And I saw his entrance, and I was like, "This is so cool!" This guy with this face paint, he's smashing a clock worms on his head. the Worms, shit, yeah. so something that when I was younger it would gross me out, but now I'm like in that teenage thing, got yeah. a little bit cooler. From then on, I was hooked. I showed my siblings the following week, and they came home. Then we were watching SmackDown, Raw, found ECW, TNA, found New Japan because I grew up with the internet, so it was easier to find stuff. And I was just obsessed. You might
0: be the first guy I've ever met. That got into wrestling via the boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I've been hearing that a lot. But that was what I'm into, the theatrics. It's so funny.
0: I, have to, I have to just have to tell you this, this is a little bit of trivia. Do you know who coined the phrase stink face? No. Me. Really? Yes. Oh. There's a Kevin Smith movie called Mall Rats. Okay. Where uh, the stink palm, mm-hmm. he, yeah, he sticks his hand in his ass and shakes it. And the, yeah, it's the stink face, same thing. So oh, okay. It's not uh, rocket science, but there you go. So you got hooked on it at a, at a younger age. Mm-hmm. When did you decide that I want to try and do this for a living?
1: Pretty much immediately, I want to say I wanted to do it. But as a kid, you're just like, yeah, I want to do yeah, this. Yeah, I want to be an astronaut. Yeah.
0: I want to be an Anna Jones.
1: Yeah. I think it was when I got to high school, I started taking it seriously. And I, uh, would look for local wrestling schools. I even did my senior project on pro wrestling and all that stuff.
0: How how did you do your senior project in pro wrestling?
1: So our senior project was to create a debate. So my debate was, is pro wrestling a sport? So I did it on that. And I actually just remembered like a few weeks ago that I interviewed two professional wrestlers for this. One of them I work with now, and that's Cal O'Reilly. Wow. Yeah.
0: How did you get an interview with Kyle O'Reilly when you are in high school?
1: Somehow I found his Facebook. Like, his actually not the, Internet. the character or whatever, Kyle O'Reilly, but his actual name and all that stuff. I messaged him. He was open to answering these questions. Wow. And I got it done. But yeah.
0: So what was your take? Is pro wrestling a sport or was it not a sport? What was your thoughts on it?
1: So I see it as a sport because people think whatever, the winners predetermine all this stuff or it's a routine. But gymnastics is a routine. And that's a sport. And even if you don't want to say that, we are competing as a team together in that ring against the other matches or whatever show might be running against us. It's a sport.
0: We're athletes. Lee, I'm going to blow your mind right now. This is one of my all-time goals. And I've set a few goals in my life that I've achieved. Hmm. I literally want to go in front of the IOC, Hmm. the International Olympic Committee, and pitch pro wrestling as an Olympic sport. Now, you might go, how can you do that? It's all. Hold on. Stop right there. Gymnastics, pairs gymnastics, Mm -hmm. figure skating, pairs figure skating. What is that? It's two people working together to put on the best performance possible. Mm -hmm. Then the judges uh, give you a score. And if you're a a doubles figure skating, which is one of the top rated uh, sports in the Winter Olympics, Mm -hmm. America finished first, Russia second, Japan is third. There is no way that we could not do the same with pro wrestling.
1: I 100% am for it. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. could be
0: like I don't know who's the, I don't know maybe let's just say it's Jericho and Omega from Canada, mm. and it's Danielson and freaking I don't know MJF, and it's you know Claudio and some <laughs> other guy from Switzerland and Ireland and you know you know what I mean? Like yeah. if I think it's like you said, it's just as much of a, of an athletic contest, and a routine is gymnastics, figure skating, swimming, synchronized swimming. Yep. So I'm down with you on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Plus, it's gonna grow professional wrestling so much if we were able to do something like that. I think there's gonna be backlash, obviously. There will be, yeah. yeah, but I think that's just because people need wrestling to be this. Like, it needs to be like MMA, all- so they they can't accept it being this other thing or it's art. So it's not like it can't be in the middle for some reason for some people. It's
0: neither fish nor fowl in entertainment. Yeah. It's not real but it is real mm. and it's it's predetermined but it's not and it, you know it's, it's it, we don't we don't really know how to compartmentalize <laughs> it right
1: Yeah it's professional wrestling is its own thing and you can compare Unlike it anything else. Yeah you can compare it to some things but then there's going to be completely different in other aspects of that it's just its own thing in its own world and it's special So
0: you did your senior project on wrestling and then you and, and you started looking for wrestling schools you said
1: Yeah I uh, I searched around. I actually found a uh, wrestling school. It was probably 15 minutes from where I lived at the time. And the reason I found it is because I searched up Kurt Angle. So my trainers' names are Brandon Kay and Dean Radford. Brandon Kay is one of the guys. Brandon
0: Cade. K, just a K. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. He
1: um, helped Kurt Angle get in the ring shape for the WWE. It was him and a guy named Sean Shocker Evans, but. Whenever I found that out, I was oh, yeah, I'm going to go here. So I went to an independent show. I met Brandon Kaye, talked with them. And then I was like, this is where I'm going. Waited a few years. I did college, you know, the family thing. Like, I go to college. I do it. I, um, Make your
0: mom happy. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> they were very against me being a professional wrestler because they grew up watching wrestling. And unfortunately, a lot of wrestlers at their time were passing away from the things.
0: Like, You're right. The culture has changed now, though. Yeah.
1: So they were against it, but they understood I went to college for uh, digital graphic design. I actually qualified for financial aid, and I used that financial aid money because I was also in a program called Job Course, which paid for all my stuff. I used the financial aid money to save up for my car in wrestling school.
0: Your car in wrestling school? Yeah. A car to get to wrestling school? Oh, car, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Well, you've joined the list of uh, Christian, Jay Riso… Brit Baker of people who took their student loans and spent them on school. <laughs> so it's okay, you're all right. Yeah, uh, it works out. <laughs> we won't tell the uh, we won't tell the dean of the University of Pittsburgh. Nah, <sighs> I did everything legal. It's okay. <laughs> so what was it like for you when you started going to, to wrestling school? Because that's another thing where people don't understand. Just like what wrestling school? Like what is that? You know?
1: Yeah, it was very cool. So I did my trial at the end of January 2015. And not to brag, but I actually broke the record for the fastest time in my tryout.
0: Fastest time of what?
1: Uh, completing all the stuff. So oh. we, had to, uh, we had to run for a certain amount of time, do a certain amount of push ups, squats, all the stuff just to see. It was more of a mental test to see yeah. if we would quit. Right. I got through with that like easily because I actually did the smart thing, which was I asked, like what's the tryout? And every day for like three months, I did that just so I could be prepared. I did you asked that.
0: kind of what would be expected of you in this tryout. Right. You trained accordingly. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Just got everything ready, prepared mentally, because I was like, this is my shot. This is what I want to do. I'm going to be as prepared as possible. Did that pass my tryout. The following week is when we started doing like the rolls and all that stuff and taking the bumps. We had to do a hundred bumps our first day, I think.
0: And think about that, right? Like yeah. people that might understand taking a hundred bumps in a day, like, oh my gosh. I oh, trained with a guy called Mr. Hito, and be, when sometimes people go like I say on the last survivor of the two hours dungeon. Yeah. Oh, you 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 didn't train in the dungeon? No, I did train in the dungeon with Mr. Hito, who said take two hundred bumps. <laughs> it's like, dude, what? So yeah, that's hard.
1: Yeah, it's rough, it's, especially when you think about it. I've heard people have compared to taking a bump to like a small car accident, like the right. whiplash
0: hitting you at ten miles an hour or something. Yeah. yeah. So doing that
1: 100 times is crazy. And then I was like, can I bump around a little bit more? So I did like 25 extra ones just because I wanted to get it down right because I wanted to move on to the next thing. I was so eager just to keep going and progressing. But I remember passing that trial and just almost crying to the point because I was like, I did it. Like This is where I wanted to be. is where I am now. And just from there, nonstop, every week training, going to work, all that stuff. So who did you have your first match against? My first match was against one of the trainers. He was, like, one of the advanced class trainers. It was Crusher Hansen and Max Daniels. They were the enforcers. Their gimmicks were, like, they were referees, but wrestlers. And then uh, my tag team partner, a guy named Gannon Jones Jr., who's now an independent team called TME. They've done a few darks and stuff like that. They're big athletes. They're really talented. I think I've
0: seen them. Yeah, they're great.
1: But uh, I remember that match. I think I found out that night, but... uh. I won the tag titles of that company like my first match and I was freaking out because I was just so much pressure but I remember that first being match winning the tag team championships and just feeling really special then.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's you did it. You stumped this charming devil. First, like big break for you that you would consider that.
1: Mm, there's two. So the one would be when I went to Mexico. I did a few. let You
0: mentioned that a few times. Yeah. How'd you end up in Mexico?
1: Uh, a guy named DJZ, now he's known as Walking Wild on uh, SmackDown. He
0: was. In, he was in, oh, was he on SmackDown?
1: What's his name? Walking Wild now. Oh, okay. He's but- in that trio, Legado del Fantasma. Ah, got gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, but he was. He trained in West Virginia with one of the people that I consider my mentor, Shirley Doe. But um he would do stuff. He did seminars and then he basically out of the blue one day texted me while I was at work. He said, Yo, come to Mexico. And this was kind of a test from him to see if I was really committed to it. So <laughs>
0: Pittsburgh to Mexico, that's not far.
1: Yeah. And at the time I had never been out of the state of PA to wrestle. Right. <laughs> so I got on the flight, went down to Mexico, and the funny thing is I was supposed to be with DJ Z for that week, but this is at the time if people know about he uh, had that life-threatening injury. He took a 450, and it ruptured something. I mean, he had to get oh, wow. like his abdomen cut open. That just surgery. happened
0: to uh, a guy in Mexico right now. Uh, not bandito. Really? I can't remember what his name is, but that yeah, he got he got hit so hard with the 450 mm-hmm. that it ruptured his intestine. Yeah, that I, happened to DJZ as well. It's scary, and I think maybe Kingo. I think his guy's name is. Oh, yeah. I did see that he's out for like three that? weeks. Yeah, I the, saw that. The Dude landed like as hard as you could land somebody on a four fifty, whatever. Like as hard as you could land someone's stomach. It was terrible. Yeah. So that's what happened to DJZ. I didn't know that. Yeah, because he was in impact for a while too, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, yeah he just took a four fifty something. He's taken a hundred times or something. Oh was just oh, whatever, gosh, That yeah, night, yeah. it happened so he sent me up to uh, stay with a guy named Lowrider and his wife, Sadika. They're also wrestlers. And then I just went all around Mexico. Uh, My first match was actually in the same building that Ultimo Dragon debuted in Mexico, which is really cool.
0: So you've mentioned this a couple times. Let's go into this. So Ultimo Dragon is one of my all-time favorite opponents. Yeah. Like, and super influential in the early years of my career. Mm. I love Dragon. I probably worked with him. 100 times is not enough, maybe 150 to where we would get in the go backdrop spot, <laughs> which <would be> like, <laughs> sh- sh- yeah. So, what a, a great guy mm-hmm. and one of the best workers ever Definitely. in so many different styles. Mm-hmm. So, you mentioned that you went to a seminar and you, what, what was your, what's your connection with Ultimo Dragon?
1: It's funny that we're talking about this now because I realized like he's linked to a lot more stuff than I realized, but right. like that in Mexico. But also, I did a tryout for a company called aiw and the reason i was invited to this trial is because i did an ultimo dragon seminar i was like one of the only people from pittsburgh to like drive two and a half hours like out there and to there. where uh ohio it was just okay. like it's not far but
0: so somebody just brings dragon in to do a yeah, seminar yeah. yeah it
1: was a seminar on the show so that was like how they paid or gotcha whatever. i did this i guess i was the standout in that
0: so they what did, did you this have trial. to do at his seminar what were you doing what did he teach you it was just
1: the basics, like the rolls and stuff. He showed us his arm drag, like the uh, the step over. The arm nice throw. Yeah, he did that one. He um showed us like, the headlocks, like the differences. Uh, we do headlocks here with our grips one way, and they do it a little bit differently so that bone's on the cheek. Mm-hmm. It's just like these little small things that are different to, to him and how he learned it. But doing that got me into AIW, which was kind of the catalyst for my other breakout moment was when I wrestled Alex Shelley. Has become my mentor, and I'm like his first protege of the new oh, wow. generation. So that submission that people see me do on TV, the Border City Stretch, he passed that down to me. And the two people in professional wrestling he passed it down to is myself and Johnny Gargano. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: I just met Alex Shelley and Chris Saban for the first time ever in my 30 mm-hmm. years or whatever, 32 years. They were just here. Uh,
1: At All Out, actually. At All Out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. First time ever. So obviously very pedigreed guy. So Alex Shelley is your official mentor. Yeah. Do you still talk to Alex to this day? Oh, all the time. Yeah. what do you ask him? What do you say? Does does he watch your matches? Does he give you feedback?
1: Yeah, just about that stuff, being a technical wrestler and learning like flowing. And it was also someone that convinced me to go to uh, school for that uh, streetwear marketing because Alex Shelley was in Ring of Honor or New Japan, all this stuff. He stepped away to uh, get his degree as a physical therapist, yeah, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And he was just telling me how much happier he was in wrestling because wrestling wasn't the only thing he depended on. So, like, the money and all that stuff, you know how it is. Yeah. He felt so much more free because he didn't have that pressure. And this was a little bit before the pandemic happened where nobody can wrestle. We couldn't do anything. Nothing. Like, you guys were able to do that after a little bit of time, like, the no <laughs> the, fans the and stuff. Matches, yeah. yeah, But as independents, we couldn't do anything for a while. So it was all the more reason to do something like that. But he inspires me with that stuff and just how he works. He has a crazy schedule. He'll wrestle maybe three days on the weekend, go right into his office, work with patients for like up to 8 to 12 hours a day. He's just such an inspiring that person. To me. You. Yeah. The work ethic. Mm-hmm. So I would say he's a mentor. I would say DJ Z Walking Wild is a mentor to me because every once in a while he'll hit me up and just give me different tips about how to prepare and train. Mm-hmm. I would say a guy named Shirley Doe who trained Walking Wild is a mentor. Mm-hmm. It's I have so many people to thank for getting me going. That's great. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about when you were in Mexico. What were some of the experiences you had there being kind of a stranger in a strange land?
1: Oh, it's so different. So. I didn't know until I got there that traditional Lucha Libre rules were three on three and two mm-hmm. out of three falls. So that was something <laughs> to adapt to. You
0: didn't know till you got there. Yeah.
1: Nope. And uh, my first match, it was fine because there was people that spoke English. One of the guys now works for New Japan. His name's Doki, mm. but I worked with him. Uh, there was a match I had after Lowrider left. He came back to Texas or whatever and I was with his wife. She didn't speak English. I had this match and I was like, is this two out of three falls or not? And I was like, oh, no, I just just one fall or whatever. It was not one fall. <laughs> I ended up kicking out of someone's move or whatever that I thought was, like, I'm supposed to kick out. It was their finisher because they told me all this stuff. And it was, like, chaotic. I remember coming back. <laughs> my money's missing because I didn't hide it well oh, enough. Shit. Yeah. Like, I had a very chaotic experience. I used to come out with headphones. And I would have my, my phone on me. I would play music to the ring and all that stuff. I didn't hide my phone well enough, so someone read me, and they took the phone and hid it from me, but it was really a thing just telling me because sometimes like kids would sneak into the back and take stuff, so it was just telling me, like, hey, it's be a little more rest, careful. Yeah. yeah, It's just so different. I remember them telling me when I got there, maybe a week before me or, or something, someone got all their stuff stolen out of a hotel room, like their laptop and everything. It's just one of those things. You got to be careful, but it were also— you in,
0: Were you in Mexico City, or where were you at?
1: I stayed in a place called Nesa, which is Neza, like...
0: Yeah, Nesa, yeah, yeah, So hood. I mean, you, you were talking about getting stolen, but these are the other side of the coin.
1: Yeah, but it's a very good experience overall, and I think I became a better wrestler because of that. I became a better base, which is the person that catches the flyers and all that stuff because I learned the authentic tricks. There's so many little things in Lucha Libre that you can't learn just
0: by watching it. You have to right. be in the ring with someone who does it. I mean, obviously, my start was in Lucha Libre as well, in Arena mm-hmm. Mexico, And, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense here, for example. Mm -hmm. But this wrestling doesn't make a lot of sense there. And Japanese wrestling doesn't make a lot of sense in Germany. Like, everywhere you go, you take little tricks and little pieces Mm. so that when you get back, because listen, I'm Canadian, but we're from North America. (laughs) The idea is always come back to North America. But anything that you learned on your travels in any of these other territories, you can use to your advantage. So that's great for you because there's so many young wrestlers that never had a chance to go to Mexico. Mm. You know, and... Beware of your phone being stolen, or money being <laughs> yeah stolen, or don't eat the you know the tacos out of the back of the old lady's car because <laughs> you're you're laughing because it's true, right? But I think that gives you not just great rusting experience, but life experience as well.
1: Yeah, it's cool, like riding around on the subways, just seeing the differences in daily life that these people live, or like how they do grocery shopping, or like going to butchers and things like that. Another thing is I got to train with El Oriental, who's like a really famous old school luchador. Learning that stuff. Yeah. And I'm learning that they start wrestling training so young there. And because I was a beginner in Lucha Libre, I was like early 20s at the time. I was in a class with like 10 and 11-year-old kids because I'm a beginner luchador. So I'm learning all these yaves and submission holds from El Oriental. With a bunch of kids.
0: Now is Orientel is his sisters uh Esther Moreno and Rosie Moreno? I believe so. There is yes. there was
1: a big flyer there and I think they were. we're all whole family. On it. Yeah.
0: So okay, so here's the best thing. This shows how long I've been on the job. When you talk about El Orientel, the legendary Orientel, mm-hmm. I remember working for his dad when he was just probably maybe the same age as me. Yeah. And I used to hang out with Esther Moreno and Rosie Moreno all the time because they would come to Japan for the same company that I was in. And I worked for the same company in Mexico as well. So I think of El Oriental as like freaking, uh, what's our guy? Uh, fuego del Sol. like just oh, yeah. a, Like a kid. <laughs> and now he's a legendary guy. I'm like, oh, man. That's so funny. Though. That's great that you got to work with those because that's mm. old school luchadors who know the true secret and magic of Lucha Libre, right?
1: Yeah, I remember him going through all the different holds. He would do a whole transition this way. He'd be like, that's Lucha. Or he'd transition, that's Lucha. Because the more modern style you see, like Vikingo and stuff like that, that's a more evolved thing from the blend of independent wrestling from here in the States, from them coming up here and going back down there. But if you watch the older Lucha Libre, like super Astro and stuff, that stuff super like I Astro. love watching. I love that's him. such a very different style than what it is. It was like all pro wrestling involves.
0: But here's the thing, though, Lee, and I think you understand this. Another reason why it's great that you went there. A lot of people that don't know, um, well, actually, just all the people that don't know. If you hear Lucha Libre, oh, that's just kind of high spots, and yeah. it's not. It's there's such a style to it. And yeah, of course, there's high spots, but it's really not, it, the, the secret of Lucha Libre is not the high spots. Right. It's the story that they're telling in yeah. within this world of Lucha Libre. And that's one thing that, that's great that you got to experience that, because if you don't know, you're just thinking, oh, it's just flipping and flopping and flying. It doesn't mean anything. So wrong mm-hmm. on so many levels.
1: Yeah. I don't think people realize if they don't watch Lucha Libre how well trained they are and how smart they are. So in American wrestling, we typically work the left side. Yeah. And there was this common belief that they work the right side in Mexico, but it's not the right side. They work both sides. Right. They can right. do both things. And their cardio, I remember talking to Regal and he talks about their breathing techniques is how they don't get blown up and right. how they have like this little pocket, like it looks like a six pack type thing right here. And that's because of their breathing techniques. <laughs> and that's why these luchadores can be fifty or sixty years old and still going because of that. And their bumps aren't the same more as they do more rolls. You're
0: right. You're yeah. talking about mentors. One of my mentors, I haven't seen him in 30 years, but my early years of development was Negro Casas. Who oh, in my opinion, He's yeah. the greatest luchador of all time. Hmm. He's 10 years older than I am, which makes him 61, and he's still main eventing. And still, like, mm. is he as good as Negro Casas from 1992? No. Mm. Is he still better than 80% of the people? <laughs> yes. Because he yeah. knows what to do, right? And that's what I always loved about Lucha libre. You could find a Negro or a Silver King or an Atlantis or a um, you know a Dr. Wagner, all these cats. Mm. They were all so good that they could, they could wrestle anywhere. Right. They could come into AEW tonight and you'd go, oh, these guys are great. Who are these guys? And that's the truth. Like Bandito, when I work with Bandito, like this guy's great. Mm-hmm. Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't speak English. Well, he does speak English, but he's a super luchador. But what does that even mean? He's a wrestler from Mexico that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's good that you get to experience that. So let's uh, talk about how you got into AEW because obviously you, you worked around. Yeah, I don't know if you worked anywhere else, like, but you have a little bit of a name value, and we come to yeah. we come to Pittsburgh, right? Right. I just remember I hear this because Moriarty to me is like a Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's like a great English name, right? Mm-hmm. So talk to me how, how that kind of came about.
1: It came about a few days beforehand. So I was wrestling on an independent show. It was IWTV's. 100th episode and it was myself and trisha dora against orange cassidy and chris statlander oh wow i had this match and it went really well
0: and chris and orange were already working with us yes so it was a
1: few days before they came to pittsburgh it was out in new jersey and uh i remember Wheeler Utah was like hey are you in town or whatever so him and orange cassidy got me booked for that dark i think it was the debut of Rampage that week, or it was like one of the first ones. But I remember it was the Live Dynamite on Wednesday and then the Live Rampage. And I had my first match on the Live Rampage. Originally, it was supposed to be Darby Allen, but it got changed because Darby did something in the Raptors. Like, yeah. Yeah. And they didn't want him to be shown twice, which
0: makes the complete sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I think he was watching Punk or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So I, had, um, I got to wrestle with Dante Martin, who's someone I got to know a little bit, him and Darius from the independents. We had a lot of fun. Then uh, I think a few weeks passed. It was all out in Chicago. Maybe the Sunday before, Christopher Daniels hit me up in an email. I was like, is this really his email or is this a fake one?
0: Yeah.
1: I got the information. I came out. I faced Janela. And uh, I found out later after the match that was kind of like my tryout.
0: So obviously, because Tony keeps his ear to the ground mm. on what's going on in the independent scene, you must have had some buzz to get, like, that. if that was your trial on one match. Yeah. Did you have some steam at the time, or was it like...
1: I would say so, because I was doing all the top independents. I was doing GCW. I was gotcha. doing AIW. I had debuted for PWG maybe a month or that month. That's, yeah. Yeah, I was doing all these things and making a name for myself going down to Mexico. Um... I think I was in Mexico the week before that too, the week or two, or maybe it was after, but I went down there and did a tournament and wrestled Ricky Marvin. I was doing all this stuff. And being an artist too, I was creating a name for myself online because presentation is everything. Everything. yeah. Show business, man. So I built up this reputation. I also had done some MLW before that. They had offered me a deal, but I didn't want to sign anything because at this time, so many independent wrestlers are getting signed and some before they were, I don't want to say ready, but before they had established themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up like watching Danielson, AJ Styles, all these guys establish themselves on independence and being that guy that like kids are watching in the computer labs and all this stuff. So I wanted to be that. I remember having the same conversation with Garcia. Like we wanted to be those guys on the independence before we signed anything. We didn't just want to sign a contract to sign something. So I did a few things at MLW and they were completely fine with me not signing a contract. They supported me and everything. I signed with them at AEW later. I uh, honor my commitments there and all that stuff. But yeah, I was building a name on the independent scene as being the guy that was wrestling everywhere, doing everything, all the big goals I was hitting.
0: So it's like uh, you mentioned Garcia and Uta. Like are those kind of like for me, like when I came up, it was like Malenko, Guerrero, Benoit, Mysterio. Like those are your your guys, right? Are these guys, your, your guys, Wheeler and Gar- Danny and.
1: I would say so. I would say those two are my biggest rivals and the people that I always feel like I'm chasing because I see they like I was successful, maybe a little bit above them at one point in the independence.
0: Then they were
1: successful above me, so we're all like climbing this yeah, ladder yeah, yeah. trying to chase but each kinda other. But you kind of
0: started together, right? Yeah. yeah,
1: like we knew who each other were. I knew Yuta a little bit longer than Garcia. Garcia and I knew each other online before we actually met in person. The first time we met in person ended up being our first match. But those are, like, two of the guys, someone named Trey Lamar, Calvin Tankman. There's numerous guys, but I would definitely say, like—
0: How does that make you feel right now where you're in the firm, Mm -hmm. Danny's in the Jerry Appreciation Society, Mm -hmm. Wheeler's in the Blackpool Combat Club? You guys have done pretty good for yourselves.
1: Oh, yeah. I love it, especially because I get to fight them. I don't (laughs) got to be on my team with them, so I get to fight them. And that's what makes me better is having the rivals to compete with and grow with. Being on the team is great, but— being able to fight each other—that's special.
0: So you must be really excited right now, as, as we start to wind down. The fact that, like, you've had this great—it's been a short career. Mm-hmm. I mean, when was your first match?
1: My first match was December 2015.
0: Okay, so here we are, almost December of 22. So it's seven years, mm-hmm. and now you're on national TV. Yeah. Now your your parents, who maybe didn't want you to leave designer art school, yeah. graphic design, have probably excited for you Mm. how is it for you now that you actually have a little bit of an established hold in aw but you're not at the top yet right but you are one of the players that we're talking about in this middle area that's with upward projection
1: it's inspiring because i was down there and now i'm moving up and i want to make sure i keep moving up instead of staying stagnant or complacent and seeing all the competition is it can seem daunting but it's just something that motivates me more because my goal is to be the best professional wrestler in the world and obviously that's something that's very subjective but I think the best professional wrestler is someone who's consistent so someone who does something consistent at a high level to me is the best it doesn't have to be one person but it can be a group of people you've had an amazing year Danielson's had an amazing year Moxley's had an amazing year Like those are the guys that can be considered the best and you can make an argument against it but you also can't dispute the argument. So, me being at the spot I'm end motivates me to keep climbing higher and going further. Plus, it's special because Moriarty is my real last name. So, when my family came to the show in Pittsburgh, seeing my name on a match graphic or something, that's special because, you know, they helped me get where I am. They were hard working. Middle class people. It's such a great last name, too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sick. <laughs> my uh my gym class teacher in high school would always call me Professor because of the Sherlock of Holmes course. wrestling.
0: I'm yeah. sorry that I filmed that. Oh, it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great name, Moriarty. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, last question for you, man. You've had uh, uh, some great matches, but what's your favorite match that you've ever had?
1: My favorite match that I've ever had is a very tough question. I would say. One of them was against Danielson this year just because Danielson and Ray Mysterio are the two wrestlers that I consider like the greatest of all time, personally. But also, I wrestled Takeshita, who's been here in AEW. I wrestled yep. him out in the independents, and that was probably one of my favorite matches also.
0: With Takeshita and with... Danielson. Danielson. I forgot that you wrestled Danielson because one of the original things that actually kicked off this whole Jericho appreciation site was Danielson mentioning... Or maybe we should start a faction with mm. Wheeler Yuta and Danny Garcia and Lee Moriarty. So that must have been kind of cool to be in there with him, like you said.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. And the funny thing about that promo, I had no idea that happened until way after because people Dude, online were Twitter me. after. Yeah, I was like, wait, what happened? What did Danielson say? Because Me? He knows me? Because yeah. <laughs> I couldn't hear it from the back, you know, how the mics are. sometimes; yeah, course, You can't yeah, hear yeah. it, but then finally I was like, oh, wow. And then finding out a few weeks later, I'm wrestling him. It was crazy.
0: Well, dude, it's been great talking to you. Like we said, I knew nothing about you an hour ago, and now I am impressed by your intelligence and your goals, and I think uh, I I can't wait to do the job for you one of these days. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks, dude. Thank you.